Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, whether you know me or not, I think it's fairly obvious that I am not a runner, um, uh, especially marathons. Uh, I think I would actually get tired driving 26 plus miles uh, that a marathon consists of. Uh, but I have a lot of friends that do run it. And the reason I bring that up is because I was reading an article this past week about how uh, one study was showing and the person who made the study was arguing that now around this time we're starting to hit the COVID pandemic wall. And what they mean by that is it's not that we're tired of COVID. It's not that we're tired of the pandemic, tired of 2020, tired of everything that's been going on. It's that we're done with it. Uh, for those of you who've never heard, there's this saying in running, especially among marathon runners, that they talk about called hitting the wall. It's actually this strange phenomena that happens right at the tail end. They say usually between mile 18 and 20, where a runner suddenly runs out of juice. Uh, they Their will to run is gone. Their energy is gone. Their, their cramping has increased. Their body is quitting. Every aspect of them says, give up. It's this moment in the run. I mean, they're tired. They've been tired the whole time. But there's this moment in this run where everything in them says, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I, I can't do this anymore. And that got me to thinking, whether it's because of what's been going on this past year or even just what's been going on in your life, I think from time to time on this spiritual journey, which Paul often illustrates as a race, we come across moments where we hit that spiritual wall, that moment where we wonder, I don't know if I can keep going in my faith. I don't know if I can keep being a Christian. I don't know if I can still believe. I don't know if I still have faith. And listen, first and foremost, I think it's okay for you to have moments in your walk where you doubt, where you're uncertain, where you're questioning things. Uh, I think oftentimes in the past, you've been made to feel guilty and bad about that. And so what we end up doing is we try to fake it till we make it. And that's not healthy either. That's not going to solve anything. But I also think that quitting isn't the answer. I think there's ways that we can break through this proverbial wall, that we can overcome that urge to quit. And I think the Bible lays out in several areas, but specifically in Hebrews chapter 12, kind of a recipe or at least some tips on how to break through that wall. And it's so funny because as I was doing a little bit of research and looking into marathon runners, I realized a lot of these line up with what they tell runners to do when they hit the wall. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read the first two verses, and then I want to break down what the author of Hebrews is saying here. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a large crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially that sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So if you're taking notes, I got four tips real quick that can help you break through a spiritual wall, break through any kind of wall that tries to stop you and slow you down. And if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. I love that the author Hebrew says, look to the crowds. Taking notes, you want to write that down. Look to the crowds. Uh, at the beginning of Hebrews 12, he says, therefore. That term, therefore, uh, means uh, 
as a result of or based on what I just said. Well, what did he just say? You got to look back to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is a very famous chapter whose nickname is very often referred to as the Hall of Faith. And the reason they call it the Hall of Faith is because in Hebrews chapter 11, they go through a long list of heroes in the Old Testament who had faith and their faith endured. And he talks about one after another. Remember the faith of this person. Remember the faith of that person. And he's going through all these various people. As a matter of fact, let me read you a quick snippet of that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 35. This is after he's gone through a bunch of names. He goes, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jepheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of the lions, quenched flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead again. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. He goes through these great men and women of the Bible. And he talks about all their feats and how each one of them exemplified and showcased faith. They didn't quit. They kept running their race. And so what is he saying? He's saying, listen, when you need inspiration, look back to the crowd. Look at all the men and women who have come before you, who endured their own race, who endured their own trials. Some of them worse than others. Some of them even led to death, but they were taking their faith all the way through. I know for me personally, there's been moments where when I've doubted, when I've struggled, there's certain books. I remember for me, even as a teenager, I, I always loved reading a book by DC Talk on Martyrs. And uh, it just talked about all these stories of people who willingly gave their lives for their faith. And it always brought things into perspective for me. It always helped me remember that, yeah, what I'm going through is difficult, but it's not nothing new. That we all go through difficult things, but we need to persevere. We need to endure. We need to finish this race. And so it inspired me. It encouraged me. It reminded me that if they could do it, I can do it. Listen, there's a crowd of witnesses. There's people, not just in the Bible, but in your life, who have exemplified faith, who have had testimonies of powerful faith and how they held on to God even when everything in them wanted to let go. This is one of those things that, or reasons why when we hear testimonies, it, it wells up in us, it encourages us, it makes us feel like, man, I can do it too. I remember even as a teenager looking up to some of my leaders, seeing what they were going through and how they persevered and thinking literally, man, if he could do it, I can do it. If he can go through it, then I can go through it. As a matter of fact, when it comes to real runners, one of the tips that they said when you hit that wall is to look to the people on the sidelines. Make eye contact. Give them a thumbs up. You know, these little things help you, uh, encourage you, help remind you. That's why friends and family surround these races and have these signs. And even strangers show up to encourage these runners to keep going, to, to keep doing it. Man, do you have people in your life who can be encouraging. Some runners actually have people that jump into the race at mile 18 or 20 towards the end just to help them finish what they're doing. This is why it's so important for us to get together on Fridays in small groups. It's to have people that are running the same race we're running that can encourage us, that can push us, that can tell us when we want to quit to keep going. We have crowds. 
Now, in the NIV, the translation there, it uses the term a cloud of witnesses. And I don't know if that means that people in heaven can look down on us and see what we're doing. I'm not sure of the theology on that, but I like the image. I like the picture of Moses and Gideon and David and all these heroes of the faith that Hebrews 11 talks about, right? Uh, all these people like Rebecca and, and Esther and all these people up in heaven looking down and saying, Joey, keep going, buddy. Come on, man. You got this. You got this. I just love that idea. And it encourages me in those moments where I doubt. And we all doubt. Trust me, I doubt. But I don't quit because I can look to the crowd for encouragement. That's such a beautiful thing. I want to encourage you. Make sure that you're a part of small groups. Make sure that you're connected to the local church. Make sure that you're reading your Bible and you're looking at what these men and women have done. Because there's going to be moments where you're going to be tempted, where you're going to hit that wall. And when you look to these people, it's going to help you push through it. Now, that's an encouraging thing. But sometimes we can be our own worst enemies. And it's not just that we're not looking at people, it's that we're actively self-destructing. The second point, if you notice in Hebrews 12, he says, let go of the sin that so easily entangles us, right? We got to be able to let go of sin because sin is often what trips us up in the race. I mean, it's hard enough to run a marathon, but do you really want to start throwing things in your own way while you're trying to run the marathon? And sin is doing just that. It's throwing obstacles in your way. It's making the journey harder than it needs to be. And it's causing you to stumble. And it's causing you to trip. When runners hit the wall, it's not just physical. They say it's also psychological. They are suddenly hit with a wave of depression, of anxiety, of doubt. In their mind, they think, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to make it. I'm a loser. I, I, I suck. I'm never going to amount to anything all these wave of emotions just start rushing over the runner. I wonder if it's even the mind's way of shutting down the body going, listen, we are done. We can't go any further. And you know, sin, I think, has that same effect on you. Sin causes depression. It erodes confidence. It pulls you away from the love of God. It distracts you from the one who's leading you. It causes you to want to say, I can't do this. I keep failing. I keep messing up. I keep falling into these sins. I'm never going to be a good Christian. I'm never going to live up to what God wants me to be. And so it's easier for me to just quit. And listen, I have seen person after person, time after time, make that decision simply because they were unwilling to let go of some sin that they could easily let go of. Now, I get it. There are some sins that are harder than others. There are some habits that are harder to break. But a lot of times it's the sins that we're unwilling to let go of because we love them so much. Because there's so much of who we are and who we identify ourselves as throughout our lives that when God is trying to say, hey, listen, if you just let this go, you're going to be able to run so much further and so much faster. Listen, James chapter 4, verse 5 through 8. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate about the spirit that he has placed within us and should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Listen, I can't finish my race if I'm thinking about quitting the whole time. That's a divided spirit. That's a divided heart right? You got to be willing to say, listen, I don't have time for sin. 
because that's not who I'm going to be anymore. That's not who God wants me to be. That's not who I want to be. And so I'm going to let go. I'm going to wash my hands of that. And does that mean you're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. You know, there's no marathon runner who doesn't doubt at some point or the other. But what that means is I'm not going to entertain that anymore because the spirit of God that is in me is greater than what's outside of me trying to stop me. And so I'm going to trust and believe in the spirit of God to help me overcome the sins that I don't think I can overcome, to help me battle and push through and persevere and finish the race that's laid out for me. Not because I'm strong enough, but because he who is in me is strong enough to help me finish. But I don't want to be my own worst enemy. I don't want sin to be the very thing that stops me. And so in this journey, and listen, it's one foot at a time in a race, right? So it's one thing. I'm not telling you from now until tomorrow, all the sins in your life should be wiped away and you should never do anything bad ever again and and be perfect. This is a process. And sometimes, you know, it's one thing at a time. Maybe God, you know, helps you with overcoming this major thing that you never thought you could. And now that you've overcome that, there's these other smaller sins that you before didn't think were a big deal. Well, yeah, of course they're not a big deal when you're messing with dealing with this other huge thing. But now that that thing is out of the way, let's start to deal with this. Let's start to work on this habit. Every day we're trying to get closer and closer to God. We're trying to become better and better than who we used to be and becoming who God called us to be. And in order to do that, you got to let go of sin. But you know what? It's not only sin. I love what Hebrew says, right? Let, let me go back to that real quick. He says, um, and let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin. Right? So he says, especially the sin, but not exclusively the sin. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. If you're taking notes, the third thing you need to understand is you got to let go of things that weigh you down. And that's not always necessarily sin. Sometimes there are good things that just weigh us down. Not things that are bad. It's not always about choosing between right and wrong. Sometimes it's about letting go of good things just because they're getting in your way. Like, like, playing a video game isn't bad. I like playing video games. Playing video games nonstop where you have no time for anybody, for your family to do your chores, to do your homework, to read the Bible, when it becomes obsessive, when it becomes your life, now it's weighing you down. Is it a sin in and of itself? No, but it's a distraction. And sometimes that's, that's enough for the enemy to stop you, right? I used to make this joke all the time, but I used to love playing video games with one of my buddies because he was so easily distracted. And so while we were playing, I would start talking to him about something else. I would distract him and he would lose focus and I'd beat him every time. Did I beat him because I was a better player? No, probably he was a better player. But I could distract him. And oftentimes, the enemy doesn't always have to get you into this deep life of sin. Right? A lot of you are like, dude, I'm 12 years old. I'm not committing murder. I'm not committing adultery. Maybe not, but maybe you're just distracted enough to not focus on God, to not grow in your relationship with him, to not finish, finish the race that God called you to finish. Distractions can often be enough. Listen, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 through 27. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. I like that image. Keep your foot from evil. Think about the last time you were running. It's hard to run and look in another direction other than where you're going. Eventually, your feet trip. They can trip over themselves. You can run into something or into someone. Typically, when you're running, you want to face what you're 
trying to run towards. You don't want to get distracted looking to your left or to your right. You don't want to get distracted focusing on something that's not the goal. And oftentimes, the enemy will put good things in your life that are just distracting, right? Now, how do you differentiate? Well, does it distract you from your relationship with God? Does it distract you from the things that God wants for you? Does it distract you from things that are important and necessary for your life? Like, things, these things can be good. Take, in case in point, sometimes we get into relationships that aren't necessarily bad in of themselves. We're not sinning. We're not sleeping around. We're not doing things we're not supposed to be doing. But suddenly, that person has gotten all your love and devotion. You don't pray anymore. You don't talk to God the way you used to talk to him. You don't read your Bible. Because every waking moment you can, you're texting and calling and FaceTiming this other person. Now, that relationship in and of itself necessarily isn't bad. But now it is distracting. And I want to make sure that what I have in my life, especially the good things, are helping me, not distracting me. Are pushing me towards finishing my race, not causing me to stumble in the midst of it. Because even though it's good, it could be bad for me. Right? So you want to make sure when you're running your race, be careful. Because oftentimes it's not the sin. It's good stuff that weighs you down. And you got to ask God to help you differentiate. God, what's good for me and what's not good for me? Fourth thing is this, if you're taking notes, you got to build your endurance, right? Hebrews talks about the endurance to finish this race. Well, endurance is something that's built. It's not just received in one day. Nobody just walks up to the starting line of a marathon, right? Just coming down the street. They're like, oh, they're running a marathon. I'm going to go run that bad boy, right? Never train, never run in their life. They just think they're going to do it. Well, you might start, but you will definitely not finish, Because these are the types of races that you need to train for. And you can ask most marathon runners or every marathon runner. There is a lot of training that goes in long before the race. They have run hundreds of miles before they ever run the 26 plus miles that it takes to run a marathon. And why do they do that? So they can get to the part where they can actually finish that marathon. They have to build up their endurance. In the beginning, especially if somebody's starting out, It might take them a while to run a mile or two miles or five miles. And so over the span of months, they build and increment their distance. So maybe the first race or the first outing they run, maybe it's a three-mile run. And then they graduate to a five-mile run and an eight-mile run, 12-mile run, and so on and so forth until they can eventually get to the point where they've built enough strength and endurance to run a full marathon. That takes time. That takes effort. Uh, And I think sometimes... We're so new in our faith that we think we need to get from zero to heaven tonight. And this is a process. The Bible calls that process sanctification. It's a process of becoming more like Christ. And you're going to come across obstacles in that process. There's going to be moments where you're going to want to quit. And this is why you build endurance. So notice what James says. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come near your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I like that little part. So let it grow. Well, how do we not let it grow? By quitting. Listen, 
your, your faith is going to be tested. There's going to be moments where you're going to doubt, where you're going to struggle, and those moments are going to build endurance. There's going to be moments where you're going to mess up and you're going to fail, and you're going to learn from those mistakes, and you're going to learn from those failures, and those learning lessons are what build endurance. Like I said, a marathon runner on their first tryout does not run the full length. They run a little bit. They run a couple miles the best they can. And I'm telling you, in that first few runs, from what I've heard from all of my friends, is they're dog tired. They're, they're beat up. Why? Because their body's never gotten used to doing that. But the next time they do it, those first two miles are a lot easier when they get to the first five miles. And then those five miles become a lot easier when they get to the 10 miles. And every moment, every uh, obstacle they overcome gets them closer to their long-term goal. And not just closer, but it helps them. It builds on them. It becomes those stairs that get us to the level that we're trying to get to. My point is this. You're going to have moments that you think are setbacks when really they're set-ups. They're trying to get you closer if you let it grow. If you let endurance do its thing, endurance hurts, your body is sore, right? We talked about this before, how literally your muscles are being torn apart when you're doing exercise, when you're lifting, but they're being torn apart so that they can be built back stronger. And when a runner is training for a race, they have to tear apart their body literally in order to build back up strong enough to finish the full length of a marathon. I mean... Physically speaking, that's probably why I don't run myself, right? That's why I probably am never going to do a marathon because I think you got to be a whole lot of crazy to put your body through that. But maybe people think the same thing about Christians and having to put their spirits through that. But I'll tell you this the same way my runner friends tell me, it's worth it. It's worth it when you see what you're able to accomplish through Christ. It's worth it when you're able to look back and say, I did that. I finish that. And listen, like I said, I've never run a race. But I tell you, I get emotional whenever I watch people crossing finish lines like that. Because I know that it took a lot for them to do that. I know the toll. I could see it on their face and in their bodies. Especially those whose knees are shaking, who fall to the ground, who are literally crawling to finish. Matter of fact, there was a story I was reading uh, about this Japanese runner in 1912. He was the first man from Japan to represent Japan in a marathon in the Olympics. And the Olympics that year were being held in Sweden. And it was an unseasonably hot summer that year in Sweden. And there was this heat wave going on. And while this Japanese runner was in the middle of this Olympic race, the heat eventually got too much. And he fell unconscious from heat exhaustion. Literally passed out in the middle of the race. Some of the neighbors who lived by saw the Japanese man passed out and they brought him into the house to recover. Some hours later, he woke up and realized what had all happened. Now, he was horribly embarrassed. He was ashamed. He felt like he let his country down. He let his family down. And he had two options. He could either go to the end of the race and let the officials know what happened and, you know, let it be what it is. Or he can duck out quietly and just go back to Japan. And that's what he did. He ducked out quietly and just went back to Japan. The problem was because he never went to the officials, he never told them what had happened, never got to the end of that race, they marked him down as missing. Like, literally missing. In Sweden, there was a missing persons going out for this Japanese runner. And again, this is the early 1900s. It's not like they have internet. It's not like they could have just called them up and be like, hey, bro, where are you at? No cell phones, things like that. 
So for years, he was marked down as missing. As a matter of fact, 54 years later, a reporter in Sweden was looking at the story, found it interesting, and worked really hard to track down this man. And he actually found him in Japan, now in his 70s. And the Swedish government invited him back to Sweden to finish the race. You know what? This is actually marked down as the longest time ever to complete a marathon. It came in at an official 54 years, 246 days, 5 hours, 32 minutes, and 20.3 seconds. But guess what? He finished. Say more than me, right? Listen, it doesn't matter how long, doesn't matter how many times you mess up, doesn't matter how many times you trip and how often you want to quit, because we all go through that. What matters is, are you going to finish? Anybody can start things and anybody can start this race, but are you willing and able to finish what God started in you? Let me close with this one verse, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. As for me and my life, I've already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. You know what I love about that with Paul? And Paul uses the illustration of running races all throughout his writings. He says, listen, I did it all and I finished. And it's not just for me, but it's all who listen to me and come after me. What is, what is he saying? I think he's talking about the fact that he is becoming the witnesses that he used to look to. He is now a witness to what it looks like to finish the race. Listen, I don't want to finish this race just for me. I want to finish it for you. I want to finish it for my wife, for my daughter. I want to finish it for my family. I want to finish it for my church. I want to finish it for all other believers who can look to me and say, hey, if Pastor Joey could finish, I could finish. And even if that's just one person, even if the only person who ever looks to me is my daughter, I want to make sure that she has footsteps to follow because Paul said, follow me in as much as I follow Christ. So as I follow Jesus to the finish line, my hope is there will be others who will follow with me. And I need you to understand there are people in your life, there are family members who even right now, still don't know Jesus, but will have that opportunity, not because of what you say, but because of the race you run. You're setting a path out for people to follow. They can't afford for you to quit, and neither can you. So maybe you're in that place right now where you've hit that wall, where you've started to doubt, where you're not sure if you can keep going, where you maybe got to a point you don't even want to go. I want to encourage you, break through the wall. Push through anyways. Look to the crowd. Let go of your sin. Drop the weights that are tangling you up. Build up that endurance and finish what God called you to do. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, none of this is possible on our own. We cannot finish the race unless it is your spirit that guides us. And so, Lord, I ask you, help us, God. Help us to let go of the sin that so easily entangles us. Help us to differentiate what's good and keeps us going and what's good but weighs us down. Help us to build up that endurance, Lord, that makes us stronger every day and enables us to do what we could have never thought we can do on our own. Lord, help us to not just look to the witnesses, but eventually become one of them, God, who can cheer on those behind us as we follow you. 
Father, I pray that you would help us break through that wall, God, to do what you called us to do and to finish the race that you have laid out before us. Father, we know we can do it because we're not on our own. We have you to guide us and strengthen us and lead us through it all. And so we thank you for that. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. By the way, it's my birthday this weekend. And so uh, feel free to hit me up and let me know what's going on in your life. And um, pray for your pastor because he's getting old. God bless you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.